Good morning and welcome everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM 87.6, AZ 18 or 88 right across Australia, right across the Faith FN network, wherever you are. Positively different radio in the morning and you are with Lyle and... Liam, good morning Lyle, how are you this morning? Yeah, I'm amazing this morning. That's good, that's good. As always. Absolutely. What are you thankful for this morning? Ooh, let me think. What can I be thankful for this morning? Okay, I'm thankful for pulley blocks. Pulley blocks? Yes. How, how Because so? they make life easy. I, I, I remember when I was uh, studying uh, at college, I learned about the pulley systems and what the benefits they can provide. So, yes. Yeah. So they make lifting and moving heavy things easy, and I've been lifting and moving heavy things. They do indeed. Recently, and that's been fantastic. That's been amazing. So, um, yeah, pulley blocks are a thing to be thankful for today. Well, the thing I'm thankful for this morning is yesterday I went to the cricket nets uh, just to get some exercise, and I found some cricket balls. And I thought I also lost one. But then I found one, so it was all happy days. So uh, you, yeah, you came out uh, even came out, at the end I of came the out on top, okay. came out winning. So how did you manage to lose a cricket ball? Uh, the, where, where I am, where, where I play the cricket, there's an open cricket net, and then there's a closed cricket net that's got a big padlock on it. And I just managed to, I managed to hit the ball back, and it just snuck underneath the door. So I know where the ball is. I know where the ball is. I just... Cannot get to it. So can you can you reach it like with a big stick or something? I thought about that. Um, I just needed to find the. I need to find the right stick, and I head back, and and see, I'll see how let's we go. Let's, let's, this is your challenge for today. Your challenge for today is to find the right big stick so you can retrieve your cricket ball, <laughs> and then you can actually come out with a profit. This is a reminder. You're listening to the delayed broadcast here on Faith FM. If you would like to listen to the live show live and participate in the quiz and the prizes and all the other fun things that happen on Faith FM Breakfast Show, then simply download the Faith FM app available on Apple or Android platforms. Coming up in today's show this morning, we are going to talk about North Korea, uh, the WHO and its support for wet markets. And of course, we're going to be looking at the subject of depression, coronavirus depression and how to deal with it. These are some of the stories that is coming up uh, further along in the show. So stay tuned right now. We have Sila standing on the promises of God. Yeah. 
Welcome back, everybody. That was Sila with Standing on the Promises of God. This is The Breakfast Show. We're about to start with the quiz. So get ready to give us a call on 1-800-324-843. And Liam has our first clue. I do indeed. Our first clue this morning. So we're looking for a what am I? Solomon says that the way of the sluggard is blocked by this. The way of the sluggard is blocked by this according to King Solomon. What is Ooh, this? I should know this one. I what don't know this one. Is it? I should know this one. Give us a call if you know the answer, 1-800-324-843 or text us on 0491-064-669. And what do we have coming our way? This morning we have God Said It in the Beginning, book one. This is by Bradley Booth. Last week we had a couple of other his other books. Mm-hmm. This is all part of the same series. This is the God's this is all part of the God Said It series, and it is introducing children to the Bible. This book in particular is focusing on the beginning of Genesis, so creation and the story of Noah. And um, yeah, just introducing kids to the Bible and how they can get a bit more involved. At Give home. us a call right now if you know the answer and you'll be getting your copy of that book, God Said It. Absolutely. Uh, what have we got for positively different news this morning, Liam? <laughs> well, for, I came across a, uh, a picture yesterday on, on Facebook, a meme, uh, and I thought I'd just, I'd, I'd unpack it a little bit. So we thought with coronavirus happening, a lot of churches have had to go to online services, to online streaming services. Now, one thing that I always remembered when I went to church in person, all those many, many moons ago, it seems like at the moment, um, I remember there was these like stereotypes, if you will, where there's, you know, there was always people that did particular things. Like you'd have a certain set of people that would always sit at the back. There'd be a certain set of people that would always be at the front. Um, my dad fell into the category of the type of people that would always fall asleep halfway through the service. Uh, just because, you know, not because he wasn't in, well, actually might have been. No, nah, he was it, it wasn't because he wasn't interested. It was just, that was the way that he connected. If you, I suppose. Um, so I, I saw these pictures where these things, they're beginning to transfer to online church. And some of the, these stereotypes are almost easier to, to adapt to at, at online church. Because, for example, the falling asleep halfway through the sermon, no one's going to notice if you fall asleep halfway through the sermon. I mean, the people in your house will, but it doesn't really affect as many people. Well, yeah, it depends what kind of um, Zoom service you are a part of, if it's um, a yes. streaming service. But if it's Zoom, then everybody can see what you're doing. That's true. And they could just all stop and listen to you snore for, <laughs> a, for a minute. When I was a kid, we used to have uh, this guy who was the organ player yep. in our church, and he used to sleep through every service, and he would wake up as soon as the preacher stopped uh, preaching and play the closing hymn. Wow. One day... The preacher was preaching away and had a dramatic pause in the middle of his sermon, as preachers sometimes do, and he got up and played the opening, <laughs> the closing hymn. Cut him off a bit early. Cut him off a bit early. Dear me. I've seen some others, though. You know, you, uh, at church, where if people uh, typically, the backbench sort of people, the people that like to sit at the back, yes. when you're in the lounge room, you, you can't really sense that because, you know, there's only one role. You know of what's chairs. interesting? Yeah. I have never seen people who have tried to sit in the back at a rock concert. Yeah. Yeah. Well, Why is it that people are so much more attached to the back seats of a church than they are of a rock concert? Well, during a rock concert, there's con- there's continual music pumping that is something. They've gone to a rock concert. They've paid money to go to a rock concert. Maybe we should make people pay money to go to church and we'll get them all down the front. 
you know, I think I think that could certainly work. I think there is, there is definitely a spiritual component here as to why people choose to sit in the back of the church yeah. rather than the front of the church, whereas when they go to a rock concert, they do the exact opposite. It's a, yeah. Well, there you go. But what, you know, if, if, if we were as keen about God as we were about our rock music or whatever it might be, uh, then we would be sitting down the front, wouldn't we? I reckon we would, yeah. Absolutely. You'd be trying to get the, the front seat. Maybe we yeah. get a church mosh pit going. You know, the- <laughs> Let's not go too far on this. Let's not go too far on this. But what I was getting to is that with the people at the back, it's difficult to determine exactly where the front of the church is and where the back of the church is at home. So what I've seen some people do is they've, they've put up some chairs. They've, they've got the kitchen chairs from the kitchen table and set them up. In front of the, the couch, and you know, if they're the people that like to sit at the front, they sit on the chairs. If they're people that like to sit uh, at the at the back, they sit on the couch at the back. So it's really people are really starting to discover exactly where they are. Um, where do you when you go to church? Where do you sit? Where where what's your front typical? row? Every front time. row, absolutely every time? front row. I never, never sat anywhere different. I am keen to be at church. I'm keen to be worshipping. I want to get the full worship immersion experience. Um, I want to connect as much as I can with the speaker who is bringing the message from the Word of God because I want to connect with the Word of God because I want to connect with Jesus Christ. I've always sat at the front. And, of course, uh, the best place, what's really weird is you have some churches that have um, – you know, reserved for parents with small children on the back pews. It's like the weirdest thing ever. Yeah. That makes zero sense. Yeah. Because, I mean, you think about it. You're sitting up the back with your kids, right? They now have a whole audience in front of them to distract them. Yeah. You know, sit your kids down the front. There's nothing there to distract them, and it will be so much easier to control them. And when they get unruly, pick them up, take them outside, give them some practice in the cry room of how to behave in church, and then bring them back in again. It's a very simple formula. It just involves being a parent. Well, now at home church, it's, it's, I, I don't, it, it, it'd either be a lot simpler or a lot harder at home church, depending on how it goes. You can either be a lot sterner because there's no one else watching and judging, or... I don't think that you should ever consider people judging you when it comes to being a parent. You need to be a parent and be oblivious to the judgment. Very hard thing to do. It is indeed. Uh, but that's what the responsibility of parenthood involves. It isn't. Well, I mean, I can't say from personal experience as I'm not yet a parent. Yeah. I can, I'm just I'm but, sharing from my but, own experience um, here. And a few but, things I'm, I'll, you get me started here on a rant if you're not careful. Well, how about we move, <laughs> we move on to some, some more different news. But my next bit of news, it, it's still on coronavirus. And it's, it's a matter of perspective for this one about whether it's positive news. In America, there's a statistic, a statistic that has been released that uh, is quite mind-blowing. For the first time... In two th- with everyone going to lockdown, okay, for the first time since 2002, there has been, in, in the US, there has been no ma- school shootings for the month of March. There you go. For Positive the- news coming out of the US right there. Absolutely. So, yeah, it's amazing. When people, people aren't going to school, there, there can't be any school shootings. It's interesting the different benefits that we are seeing coming as yeah. a result of this lockdown. I mean... The the benefits don't 
outweigh the positives of before because we have you know social distancing and lack of you know community connectedness social connectedness yeah. is a major problem and should never be underestimated but at the same time there are some positives coming out particularly amongst uh, families who are sort of spending more time with each other and you know people are spending more time with their kids and this is uh, you know valuable for our society from many different perspectives yeah i guess the way i i've seen it is that the Quantity and quality of, of positive and, and not so positive news has been vastly different. I think uh, quantity-wise, there's been more positive news um, coming out. Well, I think we should always look for the positives in every situation. Yeah, but I think the impact, there might have been less negative things happening, but the impact of those is quite more significant for the time being. But that's why we yeah. focus on the positive. I mean, when your unemployment's hitting 11% or something rather, that's... <laughs> it's not ideal. That's brutal. Indeed. Absolutely brutal, yeah, yeah. But yeah, so there's, that's my positive news stories for this morning. Some, uh, we always need positivity. And um, if you've got any positive news stories, we'd love to hear from you as yeah, well. Yeah, give us a call right now. 1-800-324-843 is our number. Or text us on 0491-064-669. And also, if you know the answer to the quiz, then give us a call right there as well. Um, we would love to be able to share a prize with you. We've got double prizes available for the time being.
everybody. That was Sarah Groves with When the Saints. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. And Liam is about to bring you another clue for the quiz. I am indeed. Clue number two for you this morning. Gideon taught the men of Sukkoth a lesson by punishing them with these. Gideon punished the men of Sukkoth to teach them a lesson uh, by using this Thing. What is this? If you think you know what this is, give us a call at 1-800-324-843. That's 1-800-FAITH-FM. Or you can send us a text at 0491-064-669. And we will be sending you a copy this morning of God Said It in the Beginning and Introducing Children to the Bible, a book by Badly a part of the series by Bradley Booth. There'll be an extra prize thrown in if you can get there before I do. I don't have the answer yet. Not quite yet. But uh, stay tuned. I will get there. Moving on with more serious stories this morning, the WHO has come out in support of wet markets. Really? What are wet markets? Uh, Wet markets are live animal markets that they have mostly throughout uh, Asia. Oh, right. And, it's of course, this is the origin of you know, all of your, uh, well, not all of you, but, but most of your really dangerous viruses, including the coronavirus that has come around. And, of course, ScoMo's come out and absolutely slammed it. Um, he's described it as puzzling and unfathomable as to why the World Health Organization would support such a thing. I see. So 75% of emerging infections come from animals. And Yeah. And if we go back over where these infections have come from, in the last 20 years, out of uh, 19 out of 20 pandemics that have uh, and epidemics that have taken place in our world would not have occurred if people had simply followed the Bible. Yeah. You know, the Bible, the Bible has you know, so, so much of this uh, information on good health and what you should eat and what you shouldn't eat. And nearly all, almost exclusively, the epidemics and pandemics that our world faces have come from the eating of what the Bible describes as unclean animals or animals that you should not eat. You know, some people look at those passages in Leviticus chapter 11 and go, oh, you know, that's ceremonial. You know, why would we keep those laws? That's the ceremonial law. That was for the Jews only. There's nothing ceremonial about good health. There's nothing ceremonial about avoiding, you know, the viruses and the diseases that there are in our world today. And the World Health Organization is like, well, you know, these uh, support so many farmers and, uh, um, you know, economies and so forth. And so we need to find a way of making them hygienic. And, uh, of course, the wet markets are very popular because... They're seen as providing, you know, produce that is fresher. Yep. Uh, so you, if you buy your bat alive and take it home and kill it and then eat it, it's seen, or your pig or whatever else it is that you want to eat, then that is seen as being fresher food, which it is going to be fresher. There's no question about that. Yep. Uh, the problem is that it's not done in a controlled environment. Now, in a... In a society where, you know, the world is sparsely populated, as it used to be in the past, that's not so much of a problem. But when you've got, you know, seven and a half billion people living on the planet, that starts to become a major problem, particularly in these heavily populated Asian countries where these wet markets are particularly uh, popular. And, of course, the other problem is that often you go there and you choose the the animal that you want to eat and they will butcher it there for you on the spot. And so you've got these these kind of makeshift, set it up once a week kind of 
um, butchery shops where there is absolutely no regulation whatsoever at all no. as far as hygiene, as far as health standards, as far as cross-contamination or anything like that goes. And so, you know, yeah, okay, it might be cheaper because, you know, you do the butchering yourself or it might be uh, fresher because it hasn't been sitting in a freezer for a while but that does not mean that it is safer, and ScoMo has come out very, very strongly against the WHO's uh, position on this, and I support ScoMo on it. I think he's, I think he's on the money. I think we need to be closing these wet markets down. Um, in a world with a population the size of what we have right now, this is not something that is going to be successful or appropriate, and so let's shut them down. You know, I don't think we give ScoMo enough credit as much. We don't give him as much credit credit as we should. He's, he's really. He's been doing an amazing job, hasn't he? Well, we need to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, that's it. And on this one, credit is due. Absolutely. Um, And, you know, different people do well at different jobs at different times. Uh, But on this one, this this is a policy that I absolutely support. Yeah. uh, Because I, you know, the evidence is there. I mean, look what it's done to our world. If it wasn't for wet markets, our world economy wouldn't be destroyed as it is right now. Yeah, yeah. You know, and so we need to stop and think about these things. It's interesting what happens when you have a major crisis in the world. And we've seen this happen over and over and over again, particularly amongst rogue nations. uh, When you have something big in the news that's when they like to act and act fast and act decisively because they know it's going to be eclipsed by everything else that is out there. And coronavirus has eclipsed the news for the last couple of months. It has indeed. To the point where we are getting overloaded with coronavirus information. We're kind of sick of hearing of it. And we're starting to hear some of the news stories that are going on behind the background. I mean, you know, even the release of George Pell did not gather the level of interest. It was there for like two or three days. Yeah, but did not gather the level of interest. You know, this is is Australia's greatest court case that we've ever had, most high-profile court case other than uh, Lindy Chamberlain. It'd be hard to describe which one one of the two would be at the top. The guy gets off scot-free and it's kind of in the news, but... You know, still 95% of the stories coming across uh, our desk are all coronavirus We've stories. We've quickly moved on from, from Pell and gone back to coronavirus. Okay, so North Korea, yep. which, of course, does not have coronavirus, one of, uh, let me see here, 15 countries in the world that have no coronavirus. Of course, South Korea was one of the first countries to get it and got it severely. Is that a... Con- Confirmed statistic or an alleged... This is n- North Korea. Is yeah. anything confirmed in North Korea? So let's say allegedly they don't have it. Okay, so they claim they have no coronavirus, but what they have been doing over the last month is firing off missiles left, right and centre. So all-time record for the month of March, and they've continued into April. Nine missiles fired in March, and we didn't hear anything about it. Usually when North Korea fires a missile, it becomes international news. There are fresh sanctions that are brought about. Their popularity as far as you know, their foreign policy and all that kind of thing goes, their popularity in the world, you know, plummets, all kinds of people get involved in, you know, political posturing and saying all kinds of things about, you know, this rogue state, etc., etc., that is uh, North Korea. Well, they have just uh, made the, the most of the opportunity to jump in there and to, well, nobody's watching right now and nobody's going to bother reporting on this, so let's just go nuts. And so they've moved from a testing phase to what could actually be described as military exercises, which is very, very different from testing. And these missiles, all nine of them, are missiles that are intended for nuclear use. 
So this is a little bit worrying when you stop and think about it. They're, they're like you beauty rubbing their hands together with glee. Everybody's uh, worried about coronavirus. Let's fire missiles. So we uh, know that'd be fun. We know just about what's happening in, in almost every country, but right over North Korea, there's a big old question mark. Oh, that's right. There's always a question mark, and that's the way they love it. Indeed. Um, Kim over there, uh, Mr. Kim, he, uh, he he loves to have everybody wondering what is going on in his particular country. Okay, so uh, what else have we got happening? Beyond Blue, of course, has been inundated since the beginning of the coronavirus lockdown, and that's only going to increase. And we do need to mention that, you know, if you're feeling depressed or anxious, then give Beyond Blue a call or some of the other hotlines that are available. But Andrew Robb, who was a former coalition member, is now a board member of Mind Medicine Australia. And he's promoting... This this one's going to be super controversial and something that I'm absolutely fundamentally against. Um, He is promoting the use of MDMA and... uh, Another substance uh, which has a big name, name that I can't get my tongue around, but basically comes from magic mushrooms. Right. So you, 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 yeah. your, your psychedelic drug from mash, magic mushrooms and MDMA for treatment for depression and anxiety. Now, uh, you know, along with, of course, medicinal, medicinal cannabis. You know, one of the problems that I see here is a lot, number of people have said, look, the research is simply not there. I mean, how many friends do you and I have that have you know, blown their minds and become incredibly paranoid as a result of using, you know, cannabis. I've got friends who, who blew their mind in one night on mushrooms. Yeah, I've... You know, one, one, one off use, they're never going to recover. I've, um, I've been in the presence of, of people doing that stuff. Yeah. It's, it's not... It, you kind of worry for them. You do, you do. Okay, so we need to be very, very careful if we're going to use this for medical reasons. And I think we need to really look at this as being a lifestyle issue because, you know, 90% of it can be dealt with from a lifestyle perspective. We're going to be back soon with uh, David Haupt. We're going to pose this question to him. But right now we have Marion Blythe Peppers with There Is a Fountain. There is a fountain.
back, everybody. You're listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. You were just listening to Marion Blythe Peppers with There Is A Fountain. And right now, Liam is going to bring us the next clue for the quiz. Let's see if I can get this one. Indeed. Okay, dokie. So, as a result of sin, God cursed the ground and says it will produce this. God cursed the ground and says it will produce this. What did he say? There we go. So Lyle has it this morning, buddy. And you ought to get this in a later. <laughs> so our prize is still up for grabs. Uh, the regular prize is still up for grabs, though. So if you think you know what the answer is, give us a call at 1-800-324-843 or send us a text at 0491 uh, Sorry, 069. I'll start that again. 0491 And if you are the first person to call in with the correct answer, we will be sending you a copy of God Said It in the Beginning, Introducing Children to the Bible. Joining us on the phone this morning for our regular update on mental health is David Help. David, welcome to the show. Good morning, Lyle, and good morning to your listeners. David, I uh, was just talking about a moment ago this um, story with Andrew Robb promoting the use of uh, MDMA and uh, the, the active ingredient from magic mushrooms um, as a cure for depression and PTSD and so forth and something we need to be looking into, particularly with the rise of depression as a result of the coronavirus outbreak. Now, we're all familiar with people who have... Um, become mentally ill by the use of these kind of products, does it make sense to use the same kind of products to cure the mental illness that those products may have created? Lyle, depression has reached epidemical proportions right across the world. And um, sadly, one of the ways in which we primarily treat uh, depression and anxiety is symptomatic So um, when I I look at the symptoms of depression and I purely treat those symptoms, it doesn't really address the cause. What we've realized is that um, MDMA, uh, psilocybin, ketamine, all of those uh, drugs that are currently being used or or trialed to be used to, to treat depression basically just mask the symptoms and doesn't really address the cause of the issues. So it's a little bit then like putting a band-aid over the top of an ulcer and expecting the ulcer to go away by itself. Depression and anxiety has reached such levels worldwide that uh, everything is at the moment grabbed uh, as, as a means of trying to curb and trying to change it. Um, Ketamine, for instance, is a party drug that, and also horse tranquilizer that's currently used in mental health institutions, um, which leads to, um, you know, psychological, uh, further psychological uh, issues. And we do not know yet um, how soon we're going to see the impact of it. Um, as you've correctly said, psilocybin, MDMA, all has been linked uh, for long-term users um, to, to bring about a psychological disorder. And uh, what's very interesting is that where massive trials normally is done prior to medication being released, very little uh, or smaller number of trials have been done on people uh, before these drugs are released. Now, of course, you promote a an approach to, to uh, mental health which looks at the causes rather than the symptoms and deals with it largely as a lifestyle disease. 
people who approach you know depression and anxiety from a lifestyle perspective what what kind of level percentage of success can people expect from looking at it by you know going to the causes and changing their lifestyle to deal with the issues that they're facing the current treatment successes in terms of um, dealing with causes uh, currently worldwide has a 28% success rate. If we are able to control uh, the environment of people, put them into, uh, for instance, a 10-day program where we control what they eat, we get them up in the morning to do their exercise, we put them in the sunlight. Uh, so please note that one of the biggest struggles that all of us have is to get depressed people to to do activities, to start moving, to, to, to get outside in the bright light. But those people that are following our, our program over a, a 20 week period of time, we actually get them to have an 80% success rate. Those in a residential program, 90% success rate of, of success, getting completely off depression. But the key there is that they have to change their lifestyle. Yeah, those are those are uh, spectacular uh, statistics that you're sharing with us there, David, um, and very very encouraging as far as you know the, the 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 opportunity and the possibility of being able to deal with this through lifestyle. I'm wondering whether uh, yeah, go ahead. Our challenge here is that we live today in a society of quick fixes. I want to pop a pill and swallow it and feel better afterwards. That is the society in which we, we live. We want to open a bottle and drown our sorrows. Instead of going through a more um, healthier program by addressing or analyzing the discomfort, coronavirus have brought it out. All of us are in self-isolation, which uh, means that I've got myself and my family to, to have to contend with. And uh, instead of learning to have uh, healthier adaptive skills on how to process this, we rather want to go into a masking process. Many years back when I started my work in Australia um, in Cabramatta, when Cabramatta was still a, a drug war zone, uh, I asked my clients, why do you use these drugs? These drugs, which is now promoted as the potential cure for depression and they said to me to feel nothing now for a person that believes in complete abstinence I, I i initially couldn't understand what they were saying until i realized that they cannot cope with the stresses the strain and the pain that they're exposed to and therefore they use drugs just not to feel mm, yeah what a tragedy David, I'm wondering whether I can just change the subject because there's an issue that I've been wanting to delve into now for a couple of weeks. One of the things that I've noticed, a phenomena that I've noticed that has been taking place with the coronavirus uh, pandemic and lockdown is a multitude, and I think we've all seen them, a multitude of very, very humorous uh, memes that have been floating around you know, on Facebook and so forth that have really been making light of the uh, you know of of the whole situation, so we've got a, a fairly tragic situation here. People's lives being destroyed, people dying, um, economies being wiped away in a moment, and yet as human beings, we we seem to sit back and you know make jokes about it. Is this a good thing or is this not a good thing? 
Lyle, um, for years, psychology had focused on the abnormal. It is only in the past number of, of years that we focused on positive psychology. And humor is part of this positive psychology. They have discovered that police, firefighters, and medical uh, people that are working and operating and in adverse circumstances often would turn to humor to be adaptive to their uh, adverse situation, to help, in other words, to detach or distance themselves from um, from what they've been exposed to. Uh, it fostered group cohesion and social support. But they also discovered something else, that humor that are quite maladaptive. So while the one group is using it to adapt, the other group operates maladaptive for individuals such as inappropriate masking emotions there's the word again which i mentioned uh, when i spoke about drugs masking in other words i'm masking the emotions um, and what they found in that group of people that used uh, humor in that way that, for instance police officers fire brigade was that uh, their weight uh, would pick up corona uh, their the cardiovascular disease would increase and uh, they would start to smoke more and eventually the mental health and the ability to have resilience would go down so there's a lot of research that are currently done in terms of how to deal with post-traumatic stress disorder bereavement stress um, etc and how humor actually can help that but I would say that the issue doesn't lie in the humor as such, but it does lie in our ability to process what we are going through. So when you talk about maladaptive humor and you, you're dealing with, say, for instance, you know, police officers that are dealing with some pretty heavy stuff, is maladaptive humor, would that be, and I'm just asking here because I really have no idea, uh, is that would that be like dark humor, dark humor that's coming about as a result of their job rather than light humor? Would, would, would that be a difference that would uh, be having an impact? In other words, it is a humor that does not uh, weigh up and process the, uh, the weight of the events that they've experienced. So um, they will... Um, use humor purely to to joke about the seriousness of the events that they are dealing with. Okay, so how do we use humor in a positive way then? Because obviously uh, this is an important part of being a human being is to you know, be able to laugh about things and to have a good time. And obviously there are some uh, tremendous benefits from that. How do we make sure that our humor has a positive effect rather than a negative effect? So we're talking here about realistic optimism using humor in a very positive way versus pessimism where it actually drags you further down. Uh, realistic optimists uh, are people that are able to recognize what is happening around them. They, they can recognize the severity of the events that they're dealing with, but they very quickly decide what they can and cannot change, and they disconnect from the part that they cannot change, and they engage with the part that they can. Um, I grew up in a community. Uh, my country of origin is a country that is known for its 
heavy stuff. Uh, but you'll very quickly see humor coming out of it. But it is never at the expense of another person. Um, so it, it is a realization that, yes, there is the seriousness, the gravity of the events that we are dealing with is there. How can I adapt in the midst of that environment? And they use the humor of trying to refocus on something uh, that, that can make a difference for them. From a spiritual perspective, does the Bible address these kinds of, uh, you, you know, humor? Because, I mean, uh, you sort of get the impression by some people outside of, you know, Christianity or outside of religion looking in that, you know, Christianity is all about being, you know, a killjoy and that there's no joy, fun, happiness, whatever, within Christianity, whereas those who are within Christianity are promoting it as, you know, this is the, the source of peace and life and happiness and joy in our world. Um, you know, what does the does, – does, does God have a sense of humor? God very much does have a sense of humor. Just look at the uh, the difference in which he has made each one of us. Look at the animal world. Look at just spend a bit of time looking at nature. And I believe that nature is is part of God's revelation of Himself to us in the sense that you look at God's handiwork and the beauty of it and the humor that that you often can see in that. Now. In an event of uh, like coronavirus, we sit with an option, Lyle, to, uh, to look at the stock market fall. Can I change that at this stage? No, I can't. I, I, I can focus all my attention on the daily tallying of how many deaths are taking place in the world or I can use this time to look at what Bible prophecy have said about the the last day events and by the way i believe that we are living in in the last days of this world's history but what is the hope outside of that what is the future so a a person that very quickly disconnects from the negative but focus on the positive will notice that god is not a killjoy but he actually has a plan out of all the sorrow of this world. A text that comes to mind is my favorite there in the book of Revelation that talks about a day coming where there will be no more sickness, no more death, no more crying, no more tears, a day in which God will make everything new. I think this is an opportune time for us to delve into the Word of God and to discover what He has in store. I think it's Proverbs that says that that a lighter spirit actually, you know, opens you up. Indeed, and it does. Yeah, David, uh, it's been fantastic having you on the show again this morning. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing with us. Always look forward to your segments. And uh, right now, we're going to continue on. This is uh, Sydney Wolverton with Brought You Here. Don't worry about everything around you. Everything around you And don't freak out If you don't feel me beside you Just look up, I'm reminding you to Sing a new song And let the rain clouds cry Their tears of joy And dance all around you Though a thousand may fall And dead may surround you I have brought you
team here at Faith FM want to encourage you to be the hands and feet of Jesus in your community, to stay positive and to stay connected in this virus season. Keep in touch with vulnerable members of your community like grandparents or new mothers and see if there's something you can do to help them with simple things like picking up some groceries, collecting the mail or dropping off some meals. Little things like this make a huge difference to someone living in isolation or quarantine. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Forgiveness. It's easier said than done. But there's a program called Forgive to Live, designed to help us all improve our lives and discover the healing power of forgiveness. So if you're keen to take that first step, head to forgivetolive.org.au. Drive. 